Blog Talk Radio. We hope we got your attention, and if not, well, we know that you listen to the archives, so please make sure um, our, to our listeners and I out there that you, shared, uh, that you share this link. If you're on through a link, the archive is always available, like within 24 hours later okay, of the show, so it is memorialized. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host. With Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TES Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. So if you're in Oklahoma, you could be listening on 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio uh, uh, and the surrounding areas of Oklahoma as well. And uh, so we encourage you to, if you're in that area, Tune in on Saturdays as well, uh, Saturday afternoons, I believe it is, right around noontime. You'll hear Stephen Burke, without filters, although it's a Christian radio station, tell you exactly what he knows, exactly what he thinks, and the very important subjects in today's world that's going on that most mainstream media won't let you hear or see or Share. How about that? Or even share. And that's why this alternative uh, radio and podcast, it's really important because this is what will educate people. Um, shows like this, you know, on Marty's network, TS Radio Network, uh, that you're going to hear things that they <laughs> don't want you to hear in some instances. And you can form your own opinions. Um, don't listen to just anybody. Don't listen to just us. Um, why don't you go to the sources where there are sources that are provided and find things out for yourself so that we are not just little soldiers that, uh, that follow what mainstream is uh, telling us and abiding by their every little uh, charge or order as they try to take over our bodies, our minds, and our freedoms. Okay. All right, so I'm Tanya Hathaway once again, and I'm your host, and I'm really glad that you're uh, with us tonight, and and, uh, I I think about all the fathers that have had a great time today with their own fathers and then with their sons, and I also think about those that are in the memories of many and um, where they're being sorely missed, and uh, then I think about those that are potentially wrongfully incarcerated, those that are definitely wrongfully incarcerated, and and those that it's time to let these, you know, to do a much better job at uh, reform, uh, rehab and reform, and um, 
keep the keep the ones that are really really bad heinous crimes you know keep them behind bars there is this is definitely no uh application for any kind of uh you know career criminals that you know commit heinous crimes but the fact is the fact is that uh most of the prisons are filled with people that have as a result of poverty, addiction, and abuse. And done right, done right, these people can actually be helped and uh, and they can be released. They can go through different programs and be released, you know, without recidivism. And that's the goal. That is the goal for those that need that kind of help. Certainly not the goal to put people out and to hurt others again. It's absolutely amazing the free-for-alls that are going on in states like New York and in California that um, literally putting somebody else out on the street means that they're going to kill another innocent person, right? So that's what's happening in some of these states. And, and uh, I, I just – how is that constitutional? Because the protections are not being provided to we the people, are they? Uh, but for some reason, they think it's going to get them more votes or, or whatever. Who the heck knows? But, um, but we appreciate you tuning in tonight uh, on this Father's Day. And we're thinking of, of all those, whether it's a great, a great time and whether they're sad memories or – uh, we appreciate those that have stepped up to take the fatherly roles uh, for those great coaches that are out there making a difference in people's lives, for the mentors, for those that, you know, join these groups and take people under their wings. Um, we we want to thank everybody who does that. Who does that. Uh, it's a service to humankind, uh, mankind. It, re- it really is. So we want to thank you for that. Before we get on to part two with Kathy Campbell and the Shriver Brothers, I would like to uh, please ask that um, we've got that uh, you consider this case with Daryl Wiggins that we have been talking about for a couple of years now. Uh, we've had uh, his wife on this show. We've had uh, uh, somebody who Daryl actually mentored who was in prison and he's out now. Uh, and uh, and Daryl has mentored many, many people. Daryl Wiggins is in prison, and this is his third decade being in prison, and he is, um, he's had a quadruple heart transplant. He is not a risk to society. He has had over 20 years of really, really good time, and uh, he's going up in front of the Pardon and Parole Board for Part 2. So finally, in May, finally in May, he was given the he, he made it through the first process, okay, which is you know, when the prosecutors come in and they say, No, you shouldn't let this person act because da 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 Now mind you, it was his seventh time seventh time Jeez. going up in front of the pardon and parole board. Seventh time. So not seven years. There's like three years in between, five years in between. It you know, it depends on many, many factors. Um, to the best of my knowledge, it was at least three years in between, I believe. So, um, yep. So he was given that, and I really believe that that is a huge kudos to um, the reshaping that is taking place, and the 
and the building on the purpose of the Partner and Parole Board uh, that is taking place. Uh, we got Adam Luck is the, uh, running the Partner and Parole Board now, and uh, him and another woman, I wish I had her name at the top of my tongue right now, but I don't, that uh, came in and has kind of changed the fabric of, of the Partner and Parole Board. They're looking at things uh, much more individually as opposed to systematic denials where every case needs to be looked at very, very carefully. And, you know, it's automatic that, the, it, as far as I know, it's automatic that the district attorneys will come in that first time, the first we'll go through that first round, and they will say all the reasons why um, this person should not be released. And that person does not get to actually stand up for themselves. Isn't that amazing? So, you know, there's nothing that's done through Zoom or anything like that. And that's when uh, we, as people that know the case, that advocate for this person, um, are supposed to send in letters on behalf of, uh, in opposition of the district attorney's arguments. So you can imagine what their arguments are going to be. And you don't do this for everybody. You do this for those that are deserving and worthy, mind you, okay, deserving and worthy, those who have consented, those who have shown uh, themselves to be good members of society, those who have kept themselves out of trouble, and those who have taken the time to figure out where they're going to work, where they're going to live. Gerald Wiggins is married. He has a home. He's got a couple of job offers. He's got a house. He's got a car. He's ready. He is ready to go to work. He's not going to be running any marathons. Once again, he's got a quadruple bypass surgery. He's a first-time offender who, as a side note, was overcharged. Um, but that's a side note, and we're not arguing that, okay? So, But I'm going to say that just because it's important that people realize things don't always wind up uh, going right. The people that actually were engaged in much more in a loss of life of uh, a very sad situation with this uh, man. Um, they were out in 15 years. They were out in 15 years. So they got to, you know, because they were willing to come forward and 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 uh, and just like and just give names, give circumstances. But you know, Daryl, who had the least to do with it, never laid a hand. Uh, anyways, uh, he he's three decades later, still in there. But the beautiful thing is he has made it through the first partner and parole uh, meeting. So he's going on to the second one. And this is the one where you send in letters on his behalf. Now, if anybody wants to know where you can listen to or learn about his case, you can just go on the Facebook page, Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed, and there's, you know, there's some fairly recent shows on there. Just, you know, just scroll down. You'll see a couple of shows. But also, feel free to message me, and I'll send you uh, lots of information, okay? Because I'm not asking anybody to blindly to say, oh, hey, you got to let this guy go. No, that's not how it works. But if you're willing to take the time or if you already know about the case, please, I'm going to ask that you write to the Pardon and Parole Board, okay, um, and this is on page two, Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed. The Pardon and Parole Board, Attention Board Com- Communications, 2915 North 
Claussen, C-L-A-S-S-E-N, Boulevard, Suite, 405, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73106. Uh, message me, whatever, if you want to hear that again. You can also email in to boardcommunications at ppb.ok.gov. Board communications, one word, at ppb.ok.gov. All right, there are rules on how you go forward, how you go ahead with this. It cannot be two-sided. It has to be legible. You need to put on his, um, his um, the, the month and the year um, of the, the docket that's going forward, which means it's in July, so it would be July 2021. And uh, you need to write his name, Daryl Wiggins, and needs to be on every page that you're writing and on the back of the envelope, as well as um, the number, a regular parole docket, uh, uh, July 2021, and number 155255, and then CRG-88-3969. So I'm going to... Uh, rewrite that and put it on and and get that back out on the page so it's fresh for everybody but i'm just going to ask you it's the difference between it could be the difference between this man's freedom who is worthy of it or not all right so uh thank you very much for listening to that so now we are inviting kathy campbell back on with us tonight and how are you kathy hey hi there thanks for having me on I appreciate you coming you coming back on. I'm super excited because there's something that I knew about two weeks ago when we were last on together, but um, we weren't able to share it with our listeners. But tonight, you get to share it. And I'm so excited about that. But, you know, we're talking about, like, what the heck happened here? This is, this is the kind of thing that, you know, is like the perfect storm, the worst nightmare um, to begin with, but then you add in the, you know, the bad police work, the uh, bad prosecutor work, and and the fact that um, that the defendant of your grandsons, uh, Dakota, the, the defense lawyer of your grandsons, uh, who are Dakota and Gabe Shriver, that they were not allowed um, to uh, have to be able to. Um, make comments based on other comments that were made. They were not given the time. It seemed like a scripted uh, hearing uh, when, it, you know, when you go back in your mind. Because I know we were just talking about this, you know, before the show. You get caught up a little bit. It just seemed like it was jumbled up, you know, at any time that uh, the defense went tried to say anything, uh, they were cut off. They were not allowed to speak. Now in Oklahoma, right. Oklahoma is very, one of the very last state, one of one of a few states only that allows the prosecution to wrap up their uh, their statements, um, and and that's exactly what they did. Let's let they talk did. about let's talk about this, okay? Uh, but Dakota and Gage have been in prison for how many years now, and they were wrongfully convicted. Uh, almost of, four. Coming up on mm-hmm. four years, and uh, yeah, what what you're saying there, when we look at Oklahoma and we say, um, you know, like I I never had paid much attention to the judicial system or how everything worked here, but we've got some key issues that are creating this um, 
uh, you know, we're almost at the top of the list for the most highly incarcerated in the world. And that should be a horrible embarrassment and something that our governor and our legislators and our lawmakers want to change. They should be working very hard to change that. But if we look at it, we can see the key elements that are helping to create this. Um, Mm -hmm. Number one, like you said, the prosecution gets the last word with the jury, the last thing that the jury is listening to just before they go into deliberations is the prosecutor. And he's, he's bringing out his key points. He's saying things that he wants them to hear, that he wants stuck in their head when they go into that room. Um, in our particular case, he actually broke the law. He brought out um, some information that had never been given to the defense attorneys. Um, in his final statements, and he called Dakota and Gage liars about 12 different times to the jury. He then turned around, pointed at their mother, who was sitting in court. The only time she was allowed in court was in the final um, argument. And he turned around, pointed at her, and said she is going to get her just day in court, and that she was a liar as well. Things like that shouldn't happen in a court of law. Well, so, and so not only was the defense attorney uh, not allowed rebuttal during the trial, right, because they were cut off, so you couldn't right. rebut what was being said, um, that's, that's being denied of due process. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you should be able to um, state your case as fair, fair, fair trial, you know, equal time. Right, uh, right, uh, uh, exactly. And, 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 uh, go ahead. So, so, so not that's only that, one so they, all they seemed to really hear about was the one side, right? They didn't get to hear about yes. the second set of tires, they didn't, uh, none of that. No, they, they never heard about any of that. They never, uh, they were never given pictures of the, they, they were given a diagram, but as far as photographs of the actual accident scene, they weren't given any actual photographs to look at. And if they were, the photographs of the blood in the roadway and the shoes and the other set of tire tracks, all that was left off uh, so because it was a diagram. shock to everyone. So they get yeah. a diagram, the, yet they have possession of pictures. So, I, uh, so uh, you, you know, what's wrong with this picture? So sure, give a diagram, but also, you know, this is where, oh, this is why you can get the diagram, why you have the diagram, right? It's because you're able to establish things from the pictures, right? But instead, they established right. what they wanted to establish. They decided what they wanted the jury to believe. It's not the jury's fault. Yeah. And they, they were not bringing forth the pictures. And that right there means the denial of exculpatory evidence, exculpatory being that there's information that would act uh, on behalf of potentially help, you know, the defendant. And, you know, that's why right. you have a defense lawyer. Because guess what? Not everybody who needs a defense lawyer is actually guilty. And these young men right. are not guilty. And yet, and not only that, but they weren't allowed to prove their innocence. Right. Had they had they 
had they had in their possession, had we had in our possession the photographs of the accident scene um, and, and the evidence from OSBI, which showed there was no DNA, no blood, no hair, no anything on the front of this truck or under the front of the truck or the wheel wells or anywhere, instantly we would have known there was a huge problem. So they withheld all of that for over two years. Now, that is denying somebody of their due process. You cannot have a fair trial or due process if only one side has the information. And, and we look at prosecutors and, and police officers and, and um, investigators, I should say, not necessarily police officers, but investigators, and we think that they're literally unbiased and they're just saying, here's what happened, here's what I found, here's the evidence that I am looking at in front of me, and we are expecting them to be completely unbiased and that their testimony is going to be the truth. And when right. you, you find out... Like, you take the... You're, we're you suckers. Do. We're suckers. Because you, 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 you shine out the hard way. Certainly you should be in a lot of cases, but certainly not... In a lot of cases, too, and that's a huge problem in Oklahoma. I mean, you this, Oklahoma is supposed to be this very, you know, conservative, and and you know, you don't mess around. And there's black and white between right and wrong, blah 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 blah. And I'm so doggone disappointed in Oklahoma, that you know, and I know there are lawmakers that are as well. I know that there are plenty of uh, citizens that are disappointed in it, and uh, and it's like. This has got to stop, you know. And it's got to have stop. This, uh, yeah, we have this abrupt uh, resignation of Mike Hunter, you know, uh, and and this and scandal there, and uh, not just a, a, a sexual affair with another coworker allegedly um, at um, you know who works for the state. Apparently, there's a lot more to it, and that's the worst, the, uh, the least worst of it that's coming out right there should be more right but here you know so here we've got these you know heinous behaviors by what's supposed to be a conservative party that you know doesn't mess around you know and 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 it's it's just it's it's a total disappointment it's a total disappointment it has got got to change that it, yeah. It's got to change and it's got to stop. And I do believe in my heart that Dakota and Gage Shriver and their mother will be the case that comes to light within the state of Oklahoma, especially within the state of Oklahoma, to prove that this is that this is this their these laws created helped to create this wrongful conviction. Because had we yeah. had that evidence two years prior we wouldn't be here today. So they withheld the evidence. They changed the evidence. They changed the accident scene mapping to make it look like Dakota and Gage were the it's ones that tampering. did it. It's tampering. It's yes. tampering. That's what they did. They yes. tampered. What they did yes. was corrupt. That's what they did. They tampered with it. You, you so, know, but I know that. Go ahead. You take the fact that the prosecution has the last word in a, in a trial. You take the fact that the investigators 
who are paid by the state of Oklahoma, who are paid by the citizens of the state of Oklahoma. Just are like the, the judges, that have, the complacent judge yes. that, that isn't, that's going along with the interruptions and not allowing you to talk when you should have actually been sanctioning the, uh, or warning uh, the prosecutor for interrupting. Yes. Right. There is no due process in the state of Oklahoma right now. There's not, because as long as these laws exist, that the prosecution has the final word, that the investigators and the prosecution are the only ones that have the right and the only ones that are entitled to have the actual physical evidence in their possession, that we're just going to continue down this road of wrongful convictions because the defendants do not have time to look at anything, to decipher anything, to dissect they're anything, to hire that correct if they're given it, right? Right. They're given 10 days right. when they've had a case to build, uh, you know, with their, own, with their own imaginary mapping, with their own imaginary diagrams, when there's actual real pictures, real evidence right in front of them, you know. So they've had two right. years to come up with a, 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 a fiction story. Okay, so that's good. Yep. You do that on your own time. Do that on your own time, people. But don't you dare do that to innocent people instead of using the evidence. That they are. They are. You're you absolutely they right. They, they completely are abusing the system to for their own. And, and we have to say, why would they do this? Why would... I'm sure Officer Matthew Ledbetter was a good OHP officer. I'm sure he was. But he did not have any business being the lead investigator on a murder case. He didn't know anything about OSBI uh, lab results or DNA evidence or uh, liver mortis on a body or um, what kind of evidence should be on a truck when there was a pedestrian accident what kind of DNA should have been present, what kind of biological matter should have been present. He didn't have that experience. I'm sorry. You, you, I guarantee you when you look, you're going to see that this man did not have that the experience that he needed to run this investigation. They should have brought in. You don't in, want a foot surgeon operating on your brain. It might be a good foot right. surgeon, but they shouldn't be operating on your brain. And essentially, these are things <laughs> that are happening. Why? It's it doesn't true. matter why. You know, it doesn't matter. It just can't be happening. And, you know, no. like I said, you have recordings of the police officer having a conversation with other another one saying, you know, that's remarking about other tire prints. Now, if, if, if they couldn't find who that belonged to, that should not just automatically default to a tire print that they can find and then fudge with the rest of, uh, of the evidence. Uh, you know, just to take these young men off the street because they want the public to think that they're actually doing their job. No. Right. No, 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 no. Right. You do not do that. Well, so you take the fact that at the scene that morning, at the scene that morning, the officer was saying, we still don't know. This is a mess. We've got two sets of tire tracks, two different sets of tires, they knew right then there was a huge potential for a problem. So then you take that problem and you add it to the no DNA, no blood, no hair, no clothing fibers when it came back from OSBI. 
Then you, then right, you and look at each other and you go. In a destroyed truck, right? They get brought yes, in a truck yes. to, a, uh, right, yes. to a yard and said, do with it what you want. I crush it. And so that there was no opportunity to use that truck as ever. No. The truck was no. still worth thousands of dollars. It was not well, according considered total. Yeah, the impound, so, the impound report clearly says it had light damage. That the impound report that was signed by the OHP is on our page, the straw that broke, and you can read it for yourself. Everything that we have been trying to tell people is all on our page in black and white. Every bit of DNA evidence, every bit of what we say, um, right. you're the not impound report diagrams to suit what they want, right? I mean, you're coming up with what you've got. This has taken you right. know, a lot of time, a lot of hard work, a lot of money to prove the innocence of of your your grandsons. And at first, they didn't even know for sure if they hadn't no in that accident. They didn't even know that at first, so they were afraid that they actually could have done this. Well, but then everything started pointing the other way, but not according to exactly. The yeah, mm-hmm. and that's something that's really bothered me because you've got these uh, media people and just different different people saying, well, they admitted that they did it. They admitted that they did it. No, they didn't. And if you read their statements, they will say they never saw them. What the prosecutor got them to say was, you must have done it. You must have done it because you drove off the road there. That's where they were found. You must have done it. And so Dakota and Gage said, or I believe it was Gage that said, we, he said, did you? He said, maybe we did. Yes, maybe we did. But they mm-hmm. never saw them. So you take the fact that they never saw these two females and every single statement that they ever gave right up until when they were sent to prison, they said they never saw them. And so there had to be a reason they didn't see him, and one of the reasons they didn't see him was because they didn't hit him. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that would make sense. And then, and yeah, uh, dark night. You know, right? They don't remember running into anything. They would have felt something, you know. But they actually, well, they didn't. They turn themselves they were, in, thinking it might have been them or something like that. No, what happened was when they ran off, okay, so they ran off the road that night, they had a fight, they ran off the road, they drove through a fence, so when you when you when they drove through a fence, they hit some trees, they went out in the field, okay, so then they went home, and there is a timeline that you can read that's also on our page, uh, it's entered into evidence, um, they went back the next morning, but it was on Facebook, okay. But it was two and a half hours later when they went back by there and they were going back to Quick Trip. So they only lived eight minutes from where the accident happened. If they were going to go back and gather up um, evidence and go back and move bodies and do all this stuff, they sure wouldn't wait until it was daylight the next morning. They would have gone back within, you know, just very quickly. And um, so I think the fact that they, they did not go back, uh, we have proof that they did not go back. That's all on the video recordings. Um, all of that proves their story. Every single thing that they told the officers that morning was proven. And mm-hmm. um, the fact that 
the fact that they destroyed that truck makes absolutely no sense. You know, they, there's no way they can explain that away. Um, so it's that, but the, but this ten day rule that we have in Oklahoma has got to change. Um, if you're right. if you're charged with a crime, you should be entitled to know what that evidence is. Why are they charging you with this crime? Why? And 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 that should be laid out in front of you, and it's not. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What's it? What you know? How long did it take there to be a probable cause hearing, or you know what? What is it that probable cause? It was just automatically. When when they went. Yeah, when they and you can people can read about it on our page, but they found Dakota's wallet out in the field. I think we talked about that last time, and that was a hundred yards away from where these girls were hit. But when the when they when people talked about it and when it was talked about on the media and in the news, they said they found Dakota's wallet in a puddle of blood made it sound like his wallet was laying there by the girls in a puddle of blood, but it wasn't. It was a hundred yards or hundred, yeah, hundred yards away um, out in that's the middle of the field for him. Yeah, that's a long ways. That's where him and Gage got out and had a fight and all that blood. What? It's a football field. Yeah, it is a football field. So all that blood that was on that wallet and the blood that they found out in the field, that belonged to Dakota and Gage. None of that blood belonged to either of the females. The inside of Gage's truck, and this was a big thing for the investigators, the inside of Gage's truck had a lot of blood inside of it, around the steering wheel, on the door. You can see that. You could go in and look at our photos, and you'll see a bunch of blood on the inside of Gage's truck. So mm-hmm. the officers thought that at some point Dakota and Gage had picked up the females and put them in the truck. And, well, that blood only belonged to Dakota and Gage, and that's because they were fighting out there in the field, and it was a bad fight. Um, yeah. So there's no blood. The two brothers that had a fight. So this is really like the perfect storm, but it still it didn't need to happen. Right. And, you know, you can ask me, I'm, I'm going to tell you, of course, I would have thought they did it. You know, they they were convinced they did it just because of where they drove off the road and where the girls were found. I mean, everybody said, this is too much of a coincidence, right? But when the evidence did not fit, when there was no DNA, no blood, no no biological matter, nothing on this vehicle that should have instantly told those investigators they had the wrong vehicle it was the wrong vehicle and they just plowed right on with what they had and to think that they have put these young men in prison when they had to have known they were innocent is just unimaginable Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm So how many other people are excited about and waiting? What is it that you need to share? What is it that you're going to share? What is it that you're going to share? Well, let me just let me just back up, Um, okay? Because I know on the promo that you've all said that this has been reversed, okay? So we're going to explain that a little bit. But I'm going to uh, uh, to to read, and this is let me see Dakota's, I believe. So I just. 
you know, seeing this is great. You know, able to look up the case or actually, you know, you can't see everything, uh, but you can see they don't share every every little document. But on May 21st of 2021, there is a mandate that is filed in the Court of Criminal Appeals of the State of Oklahoma uh, to the Honorable Judge of the District Court in and for the County of Rogers, State of Oklahoma. Greetings. Whereas the Court of Criminal Appeals of the State of Oklahoma has rendered its decision in the above-styled and numbered case on the 29th of April 2001, resolving the appeal from the District Court in case number CF 2015-395, reversed and remanded with instruction to dismiss. Now, this is not over yet, but why don't you share with our listeners uh, what we couldn't share last uh, two weeks ago. Yes. Okay, so Dakota and Gage are back in uh, 2017 when they when they had their trial. Uh, one of the defense attorneys said, you know, we want to go ahead and get them attached to this Murphy ruling at the time. Of course, it ended up what being more famous McGurk. would be the McGurk. But back then, it was the Murphy ruling, and okay. this guy had had filed. But then McGirt attached himself to that filing, and that's the one that the Supreme Court ruled on. So Dakota and Gage had filed. And for the, had, those had, that don't know. Okay. Yeah. They had attached for those that don't know, that go ahead, won't you? The McGirt, what McGirt is? Yeah, why don't you let our okay. listeners know that don't know. Yes, what that is is that uh, the Supreme Court of the United States um, agreed with uh, the fact that the that Oklahoma portions of Oklahoma had never been uh, disestablished as far as part of an Indian reservation, the Cherokee Creek, uh, Seminole, um, several others, the five civilized tribes that they they had never been disestablished. So, meaning that. Um, the state had no right to try Native Americans. And, right. and so anyone that was Native American that had had a case. It was their jurisdiction to begin with. It was not in their jurisdiction. And the McGirt, that finding actually affirmed that. It right. affirmed it. That, that ruling was already there. But, um, but, you know, there's a lot of money at stake there, you know, uh, pr- prisons for profit and, you know, all this stuff. And then. Uh, so it's so this is. is a pretty big deal as of about a year ago now. Where that yes, okay, yes, and, and a lot of people you know have been angered by it, saying, "Oh, this isn't fair. Um, they're going to get away with with these crimes because you know they're Native Americans." Yeah. But it's actually not true because what happens is it just went from the state who had no jurisdiction. It, and it was turned over to the federal courts. And the federal For most courts cases that involve any kind then, of um, murder, yes, right? Yes, yes. Would then take up those heinous crimes, you know, uh, serious crimes. Um, Cherokee uh, typically did uh, lesser crimes. I think the largest crime they've ever had so far was um, assault and battery. So, but, so these federal... So the federal courts would look at these different cases that would come up as far that were attached to the, the McGirt ruling, 
and they would decide, okay, we want to retry this person. Okay, this person's done their time for that particular crime. Okay, this person, um, you know, we're past, past the statute of limitations. So they would look at each one of these cases that were coming up before them, and they would decide what to do with them. Well, Dakota and Gage's case came up, and the Cherokee actually attached uh, their self to Dakota and Gage's case, and they are going to be the people that will retry Dakota and Gage. And, and so this it was is a not very essentially they've been doing. This is like the first case. Yes. That it would have yes. gone to the federal court, but now, but they they want to take this on because apparently they've been following the case. Is that right? And they well, no, yes. what, what are you? Okay, so that's big news. That's so, huge. It was a huge move and very surprising, I think, in the legal community. Um, that they had decided to take Dakota and Gage's case, we were very thankful because we do believe they will be thorough and fair and that they will look at all of this evidence that we have and they will look at, at the DNA evidence and the blood evidence and the physical evidence and they will be able to make a sound decision on Dakota and Gage's case. Um, it's a very unusual case. It's something that you just kind of don't even think could ever really happen the way that it did. But we are excited that they're going to be the ones taking the case. We would have even been excited, to be honest, if it had gone to the federal courts. Because either way, either way, there's going to be new A new trial was in order, whether there was an occurrence or not. But thank goodness. For that, opening up oh those opportunities, um, you, you know, because not only were they wrongfully convicted, but they also were charged not with uh, with not with negligence negligence uh, that would cause a fatal accident that they did not do, but they were charged as if it was on purpose. Right, right. It was, so let, let's you know, ask the, you something. There was one driver that night. There was one driver. Who was the driver of the vehicle? Gage. Gage. Okay, Gage was so, the driver. Gage yeah. was the driver, but but Dakota the one hit the Gage. Thing? What is it? They were both charged with the same thing, right? No, okay. no. As as unusual as you as you can imagine, Dakota was not driving, but Dakota was charged with and found guilty of second-degree murder. And Gage was driving and was found guilty of first-degree manslaughter. So isn't it was something? A, I know, I know. So the whole thing has just been, oh, it's just oh, it's so heartbreaking. And, um, you know, it... it it was something that just ate at me from from the day it happened. But I, I've got to tell you, when I got my hands on that evidence, I was in shock. I, I still am angry. I'm angered every time I think about it because these were two young men. Gage was just 19 years old. He had just graduated from high school a couple of weeks before, and Dakota was just 21. 
And for these grown men, these prosecutors, these investigators, this OHP investigator, he, to, for them to, to knowingly do this to these young men, it's, it's, it's just, you can't even, you can't even imagine it. Right. I mean. It wasn't an error. It was, we are not sharing exculpatory evidence. We are not going to let you talk. We're not going to let you defend uh, your, your clients, these young men. It was uh, egregious acts of denial of due process, and the judge is every much to blame, if not more, because he's the one who was supposed to have order in his court, and there is supposed to be access to justice, and he is denying that from happening. Therefore, he is breaking the that he is to operate under and with. And um, and this is this that is a judge. Problem. That judge, um, Judge Sidley, um, he. He, oh, my goodness, I think I told you the last time we talked, you know, there were people in that courtroom that would come up to us and say, what's going on with this judge? What is going on with this case? I've never, I've sat through trials before, and I've never seen anything like this. And it was just, it was so, um, you know, I hate to use the word unbelievable over and over, but it, it was just, Really I'm sure strange there are other words that, that you could use, but you can't use. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but, uh, it's just, it's just really happening. It's a nightmare. He's willing. This judge is willing to um, to uh, what am I trying to say here? His reputation. He's willing to turn over his reputation and willing to tarnish his own reputation. He was a district court judge and he was getting ready to retire so that tells you how many cases this man has set on you know presided over all these years and he's willing to tarnish his own reputation by behaving in the manner that he did and the the document is sit on our page uh the notice of intent to appeal which was uh written by uh one of the defense attorneys and it clearly outlines the uh, mis- misbehavior um, of the judge and how terrible it was and how uh, how he, you know, he would roll his eyes and he cussed in the courtroom. He yelled at the defense attorneys. He made the defense attorneys look stupid. And so, therefore, I think wow. the jury didn't take him seriously. It's like, my right. goodness, the judge doesn't even, you know, care what they have to say. Why would we care what they have to say? It was really bad. Wow. But but that judge, wow. he you know he he's responsible what as well. Makes you want to go back to all of his cases and scrutinize them, see how many you know other cases that you know he might have uh, allowed this denial of due process and been every much a part of the malfeasance uh, as uh, as the, the prosecutor seemingly is. You you, you know it's um, well. That's yes, and stuff. this is a small this is a small town, and this judge's son was in trouble a lot, and so that oh, judge was having to deal with those um, OHP people and the police department and the sheriff's department uh, quite often uh, concerning his own son, and his son, in fact, was in trouble 
just a few weeks before this trial began. So I wonder you what to, his son had at the time. <laughs> no, I mean you do. Goodness, you do. That's something you else. have to wonder. You you can't just say, oh, that didn't have anything to do with it. Well, did it? Did it have something to do right. with it? I'd sure like right. to know. Right. Right. Um, yeah, this is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Um, okay, so. The, the big deal is that this is really setting a precedent. And so it's not as if, okay, so it's not as if, okay, they're not guilty, all right, but, but they are retrying the case, and they will have all of the evidence in front of them. It's not like, yeah. okay, so um, they don't discuss bail or whatnot, um, but they're going to essentially – uh, go through the, it all, and they'll determine, uh, you know, where the evidence is, if there's enough evidence. And as we know for a fact, there isn't um, to to uh, have them behind bars. That's crazy. No, there's, ac- there's, no, there's actually plenty of evidence to prove they didn't do it. It's not like we're just saying, oh, well, you don't have any evidence, so... Therefore, they didn't do it. We're saying we have all of the evidence. They had all of the evidence to literally prove they were not the person that did it, and yet they they just chose not to look at it. But until these things, you know, until Governor Stitt and the um, Attorney General and the lawmakers are willing to get involved in these cases like this one and Daniel Hope's Claus case and right. these other cases in Oklahoma – until they're willing to start getting involved in this, we're just going to have one wrongful really conviction. And who's going to pay? Who's yeah. going to pay for that? They're going right. to pay for it. The state of Oklahoma is going to pay for it because we're right. never going to stop. We're never going to give this case up. We're never going to say, "Oh, it's okay that you did this." We're not going to walk away. We're not going to say, "Don't worry about it." We're going to make these people held accountable for this. And I think we're the first in a long line of people that may be willing to come forward and say, no, no more, you know? Right. See, so you're, you're holding this situation accountable. You're, you know, taking charge and saying this cannot happen to anybody else. It could turn into Shriver's Law. You know what I mean? It You've got should. to put a bill out there and it could turn into Shriver's Law. And, and this is, you know... Um, because I, I, I completely uh, agree with you, but, uh, but, but this case also is not only about, you know, that 10 days and about the, um, the district attorney having the last word, okay? Because the last word wouldn't have been so bad if the defense was allowed to rebut, you know? Right. Uh, and, and that 10 days... Um, you know, it's written in the books right now. That's definitely got to change. But, uh, but this is where, you, you know, uh, there's um, the difference between qualified immunity and not. You know, I, I'm, right. I'm okay with there being qualified immunity for errors, for errors, not for tampering, not right. for suppression of evidence. So right. th- uh, that's where I think well, that... You know, we as a country, we need to get that right. We need to get that right. 
we've got to get that right. And the other thing is, is who who is the investigator for the accused? Who who is the investigator for the accused? There's not one. There's only an investigator against the accused. So when people are gathering information and gathering physical evidence at a crime scene, at an accident scene, there's no one there to represent the person that's ultimately going to be accused because we used to think it was the investigators that they were unbiased. We thought they were unbiased. They're not. They're not unbiased. They are there looking for evidence so they can prove a case against the person they're arresting. And Mm -hmm. there has to be like this integrity unit that that Oklahoma talked about for a little while, bringing in an integrity unit, which is an integrity unit, right? We've had Melissa Hurry on, who's a, who's a, uh, an expert on that. And, and uh, she's a big believer in that. Not every, not every conviction state with conviction integrity units are good, uh, because, you know, it just takes a bad apple or two. But this is what I agree. This is what we need. We need citizen oversight. And I think we need we a revolving do. citizen oversight, kind of like uh, juries, juries. Um, yes. you, you know, where you, you go in and you, uh, I, I think that is very, very good, you know, because, you, you know, if, if, if the people that are in office or that are underemployed, you know, uh, such as, you know, the investigators, if they're not doing their job diligently, if they're just, you know, getting their hand greased uh, potentially or they're um, just they're just trying to get the case off their books and cross it off, then, they're, then you know, there's going to keep on being uh, more innocent, uh, innocent people behind bars, yes. overcharged people. Are. So not only are they innocent, they're overcharged. Oh, it's terrible. It is terrible that the charges that they come up with, but, you know, we talked about this. We talked about this a little bit last time. You know, these private prisons, their investors are guaranteed. If you can imagine that you're investing in a private prison and you are guaranteed that your prisoners will have long sentences because they don't want the turn they don't want the turnaround every year or two or three or four. So right. they're gonna invest in a private prison where they know that somebody's gonna get ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, fifty years. And it is the most heinous thing I can imagine that People would invest in a private prison with those kind of stipulations and requirements because you know that people are going to get longer sentences than they should have ever had to start with. And who's going to pay for all of that, you know? Right. We pay for it. The state of Oklahoma is paying for it. Our poverty in our rural areas is shameful. And Mm -hmm. most of the people that are in prison came from rural areas. It, mm-hmm. it, it, you just you just need to do your studies, and you'll see that okay, somebody got a ticket, they didn't pay the ticket, they got in trouble, and it just escalates on and on and on and on until this person, you know, ends up doing some time, and then it's just a revolving door, and we have nothing and then you have in people place behind bars for thirty years that are either wrongfully charged or or or, or, or over or over you know or overly charged. 
you know, how many people yeah. have we had on, on our show here that, you know, that that has, has been the case? Uh, and it's, it's just not right. In Oklahoma, you, you know, if um, somebody is commuted, that person is still essentially bound to the terms of parole and they have to, you know, and they have to check in uh, if they want to go out of state, like Perry Lott. Once again, he was wrongfully convicted. He was named in a uh, in a lineup. Oh, that's him uh, because he had gold tooth. Well, yeah, black men with gold tooth, and there are tons of black men with gold with gold teeth. Thirty years ago, okay, thirty five years ago, and um, and it, and she, this woman claimed that he he raped her. Uh, she survived, you know, but he claimed to rape her. And, and so this man, you know, was finally commuted. He, they finally, you know, did that. But they say, but they say that um, until somebody else is charged with that crime, he still essentially remains on parole for life. Oh, and, my gosh. And to me, that's, that's nuts. That is so completely nuts. Because what? Because they don't want to change the history of the um of the of the uh, prosecutions and the uh you know they they don't want to change the percentages of you know who was innocent and who was uh wrongfully convicted you know no uh, you've got to let it go you got to let it up you got to let it go and um and anybody who who you know who who is okay with that Clearly isn't in politics for the right reasons. Clearly isn't in their positions for the right reasons. We need to change these laws. Uh, we do. Know? So I'm just, we're talking about you know turning lives upside down, inside out. You know, put the ones behind bars that belong behind bars that are not rehabilitatable, and and then you, you know, you know, people are standing by Julius Jones, death row, right? Gossip, death row. Yeah. Daniel set up. Not a lot oh, that is trial. a horrible case. Yep. That is a horrible case. I, you know, every time I, 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 I go back and I look at his case and I think about his life and his family and what he's gone through. He was an upstanding citizen. He was a police officer. You know, he he was giving his life Not to the community. And, and I believe it's those in it's the other ones in the department that set him up. You know, mm-hmm. to to cover up for for another alleged police officer's crimes. You know, the video of him him saying, "Take my clothes here, take it, take, put it, yep. you know, take it. I want this over with. I want this. I want you to investigate this, and I want this over with." You can tell that he he wanted somebody to to realize that he was innocent, and that's denied a trial. So why deny a trial when new evidence has come forward? Why deny that? Why deny the right. right to overturn a wrongful conviction? Well, you know, we're in Oklahoma, and, you know, and, and the people like the Bob Macy's and the Joyce Gilchrist, you know, everybody decides to talk about how awful they were after they're dead. But in the meantime, they're allowed to go ahead and ruin people's lives, put all the, you know, be a part of potentially putting other people to death that are, that are innocent. But let me tell you something, just like you and your family, the Hulk's cause are not giving up. They're not no. giving up. No, no. And, and I, think that that's what, 
I think that they have become so, I think they became so used to because they always, you know, and, and, I, and this is my opinion, obviously, but I think they were so used to putting poor people in prison and from rural areas and people that, you know, got in trouble, they couldn't afford an attorney or they had a lousy attorney, whatever. And I think they just became so used to their little system working and they became arrogant about it. They didn't expect families like ours and the Hope Clause, and, and I know there's two other families that I know of right now that are coming up in the system that are fighting against all of this, and they're not going to give up. I, I, you know, it's going to take people like all of us that are not going to sit down and shut up, and we're not going to take a bribe like, I uh, can't think of his name right now, who took a bribe from uh, Rogers County Sheriff to be quiet, not talk about his case. And, and to me, it, they settled the case, but to me, it was a bribe. You know, you right. can settle a case with money. That's a bribe. So, um, right. but we're, we're just not going to. And these people need to answer for why did they destroy the truck before preliminary hearing? Why did they lie about the it's DNA evidence? I don't know what is. Do what? If that is not evidence tampering, I don't know what is. Right. And why did they say at preliminary hearing they didn't have the uh, DNA evidence back when they'd had it back for six weeks? Why did they not mention there was another set of tire tracks at the scene? You know, those are things they're going to have to answer for every bit of that. And and they wrongfully and they they did this on purpose. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that they did this on purpose. So okay, so no, we're not going to stop fighting. This is a question now that I'm wondering about. So, Cherokee Nation is now trying this case. But who is the plaintiff? Is it Cherokee Nation or is it the state of Oklahoma? I don't know. I would imagine it would be right? the victim. The victim was also Cherokee. Right, 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 right. Okay. So, but no, it's, but it's either, you know, it's, it's a, the, the state or the, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a um, criminal felony. So, I mean, just kind of think about it. Are they going to start from the beginning or is it going to be like more of um, a, an appeal, you know? Or, um, so I'm really curious about that. Well, it's my understanding it will be a new trial, which means that uh, a trial, you know, they'll be, Dakota and Gage will be entitled to defense attorneys and the uh, Cherokee, um, you know, legal department um, will have their prosecutor, I'm sure, that will look at the case. And, and hopefully this will be a prosecutor that will look at the case and say, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot wrong with this case. And, and, you know, if I can look at it, they if I can get my hands on Yeah. So, so we're, very, we're very anxious for them to get their hands on it. It should happen very soon. I personally think they probably already have looked at this case. They already know what's in there. And it's going to be very interesting to see um, what they're going to think about 
these investigators and this OHP officer and Tony Evans, who was the assistant district attorney who prosecuted the case, and Matthew mm-hmm. Ballard, who was the district attorney who uh, was responsible for, you know, this case and for Judge so Dyson. They and to, they're, they're going to be a party to the case? Like, will they be called in as witnesses or uh, who knows? Right? I don't know. I don't right. know. This is all in charter territory. And so right. we'll, we'll all see as we go along. Right. This is huge. This, this, this matter is, is, this is huge. Wow. It is. It is. You know, I mean, they're, it's good. They're taking the case, so they're going to, you know, it's hard to trust. I understand that, but we have to trust that they will have the full and complete files. You will have, as you do now, any exculpatory evidence, you know, or his defense attorney now, which is a different defense attorney than before. And and we have to count on the fact that um, that the defense attorney won't be cut off and and uh, will be allowed to speak on behalf of Dakota and Jay and 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 Gage. And um, so at this point, you don't even know like. Um, so they are both still uh, currently behind bars. Is that correct? Dakota is processing out, and he's waiting on the Cherokee Marshals to come and pick him up. Um, why they haven't gone and picked him up already, we're not really sure. Um, they may be waiting on Gage to go through the appeal process and get the same uh, McGirt ruling and then they can try them both at the same time. We're, we're not sure. We, we're, we're all just kind of in the dark about, you know, um, why right. they haven't Pasa. picked Dakota up yet. Because he's, he's really ready to, to go. Um, Gage is right. still waiting. We hope that Gage comes up on this week's um, list, which will be out on Tuesday. And okay. if he's on the list for Tuesday, then the appellant judges will make the ruling on Thursday and then he will start his process of, of um, going through, you know, the district court and that sort of thing. And then, to the best of your knowledge, um, at that point, it will be determined if bail will be set or not, if there are uh, a risks for a uh, flight risk or, or whatever, those kinds of things, correct? Right, correct. We, we don't know. Again, we don't know if they're going to allow them to post bond. We certainly hope that they will because they absolutely are not a flight risk. I mean, they were they were um, out on bond for over two years and, of course, you know, did everything that, the, that they were asked to do, including a 10 o'clock curfew, which is very hard mm-hmm. on young people. Um, yep. So I'm hoping they look at all that and say, you know, they're not a flight risk and that they do allow them to have a bond posted or let them out on OR hopefully, um, and that we can start the end of this, of this long process. Right. Now, Kathy, you and you and I met a couple of years ago at a, at a rally for wrongful convictions in, 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 and, uh, does it, uh, did it surprise you, uh, because this was very shortly after, um, the boys actually went to prison, right? So did, did it surprise you, um, you know, even though it was, you know, we didn't 
we didn't pay for advertising or anything like that for the um, for the rally. But did it surprise you how uh, the attention that it got? I mean, Fox News covered it down there, and just you know, there people people had passion, people had heart. Uh, you probably met Fox News. Fox News is, in my opinion, the best, most accurate, when I say most accurate, most willing to share um, real information with their listeners. Um, There's too many stations that try to buffer things and, oh, we better not. Fox has done a a really good job, not necessarily with our case, but I've seen them uh, deal with other cases, and they've done a great job on just saying, Here's the facts, you know. Here's right. the story. Here's what happened. Right. Here's what we've been told. Um, there, too many of our local reporters go to the side of the victims, which I, I, I completely understand that on one hand, that you want to go visit with the victims, but you should also be visiting right. with the families of the accused or the accused themselves to find out the other side of the story. You can't just right, go right. and 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 create sympathy of what called, they're doing. They're going journalism. That's called investigative yes. reporting. You, you know, but if if an opinion is formed, so basically what was happening um to the boys and your family in this case is it became a court of public opinion. Yes. Because of the um because of the bad reporting. Yes. And, and then in so a, many things, and then so many things in mm-hmm. in the evidence that were never discussed or talked about. For instance, the eyewitness in her written statement says that she looked up and saw the saw the truck, and she did say the word truck. Saw the truck mm-hmm. backing out and taking off. Well. Dakota and Gage never backed out of that field, and and that is is testimony from the investigator as well as how they drove off the road into the field and how they came back around and they exited the field going forward. They never backed out of that field, and for her to specifically say she looked up and saw the truck backing out to me was a big part of evidence because she saw something, and she saw a vehicle backing out. And all of the evidence points to the fact that someone ran over them and then backed out and took off. And right. so, so that, that again right points, yeah, so that again points, even, actually, even whether she knew it or, or not. I just want to interrupt for yeah. a second, just in case anybody's listening to have any questions or for Kathy, any, any kind of comments. Um, feel free to call in or, you know, if there are any other witnesses out there that are quietly following this case. Yeah. Um, 917-917-388-4520. Press the number one if you have a comment or a question. 917-388-4520. We've got about, um, we've got about 15 minutes left until I start closing things down. So I, I should have really brought that up earlier, but it's been an awful lot to talk about questions or comments 917-388-4520 and press the number one do you know the Shriver brothers do you know the victims that uh, this happened to of this tragic accident 
Um, yeah. Speaking of which, what uh, what are um, the victims' families' positions um, at this time and point, um, especially since this is being turned over to Cherokee Nation, Kathy? Well, I don't know. You know, uh, this was a very bitter, as you can imagine, it's a small community, and it was a very um, uh, bitter situation with um, the way the media portrayed Dakota and Gage's monsters that hit these young women and, you know, left them to die, and and the the story was horrible. Um, So, Communication was lost really uh, early on, and, and they were Dakota and Gage and their mother were told to have no contact with the victims or the victims' families. So that the, the judge told them that, and so they and, were trying to follow. And what kind of contact yes. did the judge think that they might have wanted to have? To express right. their sorrow, like they were going to go, like they were going to go harass them or something. You know how they like to make it sound that. So I, I really don't know. And, I, and I've always were not had any kind of trouble before this. They, you know, no, no kind of, you no. Know, other than just being young boys and, and you know, uh, right, okay. So they are not known for No, they, they hadn't, and they known. never harassed anyone. They never, right. I mean, I right. I had a dead cat thrown up in my yard one time. It was terrible. It's <laughs> uh, not funny, but you kind of have to go, well, well whatever. A dead cat. Somebody during the the the, tr- the process, somebody came by and threw a dead a bag dead with a dead cat in our yard, and it was just that's terrible. Anyway, I know it was, but but so so we were kind of on pins and needles. That you know, Dakota Gage, Annette, nobody ever harassed anybody or anybody's family. We wouldn't do that. We're not that kind of people anyway. But in answer Did to your question on how they're they lose friends over this. Um, how did I mean? We we you know obviously this affected the victims' families, the one who died especially. It's tragic. It's oh my gosh, it really yeah. is. You know the shoes were knocked off of both of the girls, I believe, and uh, and and then the one that survived, she's disabled, correct? Yes, yes. And and mm-hmm. you know, and my my hopes and wishes were that when we put this page up. I thought they would all be as shocked as we were at this evidence. And I was really hopeful that, okay, let's put this page up. Let's, let's share this evidence that nobody ever got to see. Let's, let's let these, these people are smart people. They're very smart people. They're going to see this, and they're going to realize that these investigators arrested the wrong people, and, and the person that did this is still out there. And my hopes and dreams were that they would contact us or message us and say, "Let's work together to figure this 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 out. Let's let's you know turn this wrong. It'll never be right. You know, a young beautiful young woman lost her life, and another one was. I'll never probably get over what she dealt with. But mm-hmm. we should be working together as parents and 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 families to to party uh, family community that would be helping out you, you, you yes. know you'd be there you'd be bringing back goods you'd be like exactly yeah mm-hmm. so we, you it, actually it, lost it, your business as a result of this you and your husband correct yes yes i did yes i lost my business i well i finally just said you know i can't i couldn't do it anymore i couldn't and they were i think i told you that last time 
reaching out to my retailers and just it was a horrible situation. But but when we started this page, this page wasn't started to hurt anybody. When we started the straw that broke, it wasn't started to hurt anyone or to say, aha, look, we told you so. It was it was put out there so that people could have their own opinion and people could really see the facts of this case and understand that these investigators hurt all of it. They hurt, right. you know, not only Dakota and Gage and Annette, they hurt these victims and their families because they did not provide justice to them and still to this day have not provided justice to them. And I right. know that the mother of the deceased has actually contacted the district attorney at one point and asked him for explanations, and he gave her a bunch of cockamamie, you know, excuses and reasons mm-hmm. and, and convinced her again that, yes, Dakota and Gage really did do it. Well, if I could say anything to her right now, it's look at the evidence only, only. Right. Look at this evidence. And yeah, ask yourself, yeah. if you were the investigator, what would you be saying right now? Right. Right. It's amazing how the framing and, and the twisting of the words, you know, and, and the wit, you, you know, can actually come into play as if it was evidence when, the, when it's really manipulating. I can't get over the fact that they create their own diagram, which has, is not indicative of the photograph, which is, which should be labeled exit, uh, uh, forgive me, exhibit as evidence. You you know, what kind of a crazy world are are we in? Guess what, prosecutor, you can be wrong. And if you you got there for the wrong reasons because you didn't do your job, then then shame on you and, and you need to be sanctioned and, you know, lose your license because... You've had people and you've had two young men in prison for four years. For four years. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, there's not their lives are never going to be the same. They're, they're never going to be the same. Their mother's never going to be the same. Our whole family's never going to be the same. And and it, it's just, uh, you know, I just, my heart breaks for the people that are out there that have nobody to help fight for them. We, you know, we have a, a strong family, and we can all help each other and fight for each other. And the people out there that are suffering, that have nobody to help them, just, just, it just breaks my heart to think about them. So hopefully, exactly. if we can exactly. change. The ones we, that don't have, and, the, and those are the ones that typically, as you had brought up earlier, Kathy, it's like, you know, they pick on people that can't stand up for themselves. You know, they are in poverty potentially already, or they have, or they, there is no family um, that can stand up and fight for them. It's it's an awful tragedy, but it just seems to be, it seems to be the, um, just that, you know, like a well-oiled machine that's doing the wrong thing. And, you know, they, there's an awful they, lot of good police officers, there's an awful lot of good district attorneys, judges, and, and whatnot. Nobody is disputing that. But there are some huge flaws in, in the system. And there are, uh, and then there are those that not only take advantage of those loopholes, okay, uh, to benefit the outcome that they desire, which in many cases is not the just outcome, but then you've got the ones that take it a step further 
and tamper with the evidence well, is perjure themselves to find themselves in favor of the court. And the judge does not allow proper defense to uh, to take place in court. The judge does not relay the information, uh, not allow the information that should go in front of a jury so that the jury can make a decision based on all of the facts and findings of the, you know, and evidence of the case. So that is, that's a setup. That is a setup. It is. Kidnapped these boys for four years and others. Yeah. I mean, it is. is And so if if we can change this 10 day, because how many people plead guilty because they're, they don't even know what the evidence is either. And they're scared to death and they end up pleading guilty or taking up, you know, plea of guilty charge. I mean, this has got to stop. Whatever the physical evidence is, the defense, the defendants and the accused are entitled to have that as soon as the prosecution and the investigators have it in their hands. To withhold mm-hmm. that is to withhold due process. And I, I'm going to fight to the bitter end that that law gets changed for sure. I'm with you, sister. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Sister, I'm with you. We got this. You got this. I'll, I'll, I'll back you 100% of the way. You know, and this is just it. You know, we've got these warriors here, like David Arndt. Yeah, I believe you met David Arndt the, um, at, yes, the, uh, at the rally. And, and, and he came, and he's like, he's a man who's been fighting for his own rights, where he was, you know, a victim of domestic violence, and, and his kids were taken from him. And now he has, you know, 50-50 and whatnot, but... Um, there's still a lot that's wrong out there in his case, as well as others. Well, David Arndt just became a private investigator. So, you know, and we're talking. I'm like, listen, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you on the show. You know, get you. You know, it's a, give you some thoughts on the show because he's doing this to for a cause. You, you know, obviously yeah. he's going to be doing some pro bono work. So we've got these the people that are not giving up and. And, and to the point that they're changing their lives, they're changing their careers because it's you see the damage that it does to so yeah. many people, well, we, and it's just not okay about, to make a difference. We've actually, us girls, have talked about taking a private investigation course because we're like, um, somebody yeah. needs to be investigating these investigators, you know? And yeah. so, I mean, you you you. Things are going to have to change out there, and we're, you know, we're we're just determined to see that that happens and that justice prevails because that's what our country was supposed to be founded on was liberty and justice for all. And so, you know, we're the Declaration of Rights, the Bill of Rights, due process, yeah, equal. You, you, you know, um, that you're innocent until proven guilty, and and that you're not framed. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you know, so, and innocent. Uh, Innocent until proven guilty has just become a joke, a complete and utter joke. That has, especially in the state of Oklahoma, I don't know about other states, but in the state of Oklahoma, that has become a joke. We have got to start holding them accountable that these people are innocent, and that means the media, too, for the media. And, and they want no, to do but if you're guilty, you're automatically innocent. <laughs> 
yeah. And they want to do this little disclaimer that says, this is an arrest, not a conviction. But yet after they've told you all of the things they, they gathered from the eyewitnesses and the neighbor down the street, what the neighbor heard and saw and did, well, you've, you've already put on a little trial on your, on your story here that you've given to the general public because you're giving mm-hmm. eyewitness, supposed eyewitness testimony, and these people have never been sworn in, you know, sworn in so that they can give eyewitness testimony, but the media is putting it out there. It's just right. unbelievable. Right. No, there's, there's, there definitely has to be, um, there has to be a change because, uh, you know, lives are destroyed, and, and so it's time to put together some, some of these pieces that, you know, um, and get together, with, you know, with the legislators and, and ask, you know, who really cares. And, um, yeah. and so, so this is a cry out also, you know, to anybody who's um, listening to this show, you know, um, to, to just remember that you can get as mad and upset uh, uh, and shake your head, no, it's wrong, wrong. As many, and we appreciate that. We truly, genuinely appreciate that. But um, spend the time and... Uh, and, and write a letter um, or send in an email because guess what? That's traceable. We need to get uh, people that are, are actually standing up and saying, no, this, this is not okay. Um, let's talk to, you, you know, this one that's on this committee or that committee because they work for you. They work for you. And I do believe that there are uh, representatives that are out there that want to do the right things and, you know, and especially the ones who have, you know, they're just coming into office, they're disgusted by some things, you know, and then there's some tried and true. And then there are some that have flipped and they've gone the wrong way. You know, they, they ate the apple. Um, and, and and so, you know, we really need to pay attention to these things. And, and this is how we get people involved is, you know, how often people on their phones, right? Uh, yeah. You know, let's just, you know, send an email to your to your rep. You know, copy yes. injustice in Oklahoma at gmail.com. You know, I want to see, you know, I want to see the people that are sending in uh, these things too because guess what that helps? That helps me say, hey, uh, you've heard from X amount of people. Can we talk about this? You know, because this, this is really uh-huh. just, I know you want to help Mr. or Mrs. Rep or Ms. Um, you know, we need to take just that five minutes just that five doggone minutes and, and go uh, a, an extra step further. <laughs> you, you yes. Know? yes, yes, and it, it And, it, you know, it may not affect your family right now, and it may not affect your life right now, but at some point in time, chances are pretty good that someone in your family that you love is going to be faced with some sort of a situation, a a you know, a, a horrible accident where they're held accountable for a manslaughter charge or being at the wrong place at the right time or being overly yeah, charged. Don't make it only so worth it or matter when it happens to you or someone you love, right? <laughs> right. It, it, because chances are pretty, pretty good that it's going to happen at some point in time to someone that you love or you care about or somebody in your family. So getting involved in not only that, but it's just the right thing to do. It's just, you know, to be, to want our system to work properly is the right thing for all of us to want. And, Mm -hmm. and I know I definitely want that. I just want the system to, 
to, to work like it's supposed to, to work like it was intended to work. And right now it's not. And it hasn't for a very long time. You never imagined in your wildest dreams, in your worst of nightmares, that something like this could have happened to your family. And it does happen to families, yep. people. And, and please, I'm going to uh, implore you to please uh, follow uh, Kathy's page. It's The Straw That Broke. The Straw That Broke, broke. it's Facebook. Kathy is going to uh, keep us all posted here. And I just want to say thank you because I've got to start closing out the show. I want to say thank you so much for um, for coming back on and, you know, updating, retelling. And we'll have you on again. We'll, um, and and uh, I appreciate you and all you're doing and, and, and your promises uh, to, to never stop fighting. And I'm with you and, and so are others. Thank you. We so appreciate you. We, we wouldn't have a voice here you know, without you and and your producer and and radio stations like yours and people that are willing to take up these causes, none of us would have a place to tell our stories to without people like you. So we we so appreciate that and 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 thank you very very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Kathy. So the fight for justice against corruption is never easy, never has been, and never will be. It exacts a toll on our especially our children in the end i believe as in my case the price we pay is well worth holding on to our dignity and that is a quote from frank serpico most know who frank serpico is and you would not change anything uh in the world that he did uh, because the price he would have had to pay is his own holding on to his own dignity had he not stood up and done something as kathy campbell and others are doing. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Please tune back in uh, Tuesday night at 7.30 Central Time. We're going to talk about some states of the nation, some crazy things that are going on. We're going to talk about uh, jabs. We're going to talk about uh, uh, just all kinds of crazy things that um, we're going to be able to talk because we're not on mainstream media. We're on TS Radio Network, and we are on 89.9 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. I'm Tanya Hathaway, your host of Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told. Good night and good God bless.